worship team for leading us. Hey, Chapel family, it's so good to be with you. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my name's Todd. I'm another one of the pastors here, and uh, man, good to, to worship together. This morning, we lit the fourth candle of Advent, which represents God's love, His unconditional love, that no matter where we've come from, no matter what's happened in this last week, God loves us. He loves you. And uh, that's something that we hold on to. That's what Jesus brought at Christmas time. And we've been in the midst of a series here at the chapel that really this weekend we kind of bring to, the, to a close that we've entitled Reclaiming Christmas. And uh, each week we've looked at a different part of our regular Christmas time celebrations, but how some of those things can get in the way of the real meaning and heartbeat of the holidays. So I hope that over these weeks, it's helped you take a step moving from from stress that we talked about with Mary and Joseph into the stillness of being with Jesus, or that you've been able to move a little bit from from just a focus on getting, because that's so easy to become a consumer at Christmas time, towards giving, uh, the generosity of God so loving the world that he would give his one and only son. And, and last week, from problems to peace, uh, this time of the year brings up a lot of dysfunction in all of our relationships and our families. And yet it's in Jesus that we find peace and through Jesus that we can become peacemakers even in the midst of our relationships. And this weekend, we focus on moving from decorations to devotion. Now, I'm not saying, you know, tear all the decorations down. I love Christmas decorations. I love looking at them. I love driving around um, looking at them and ooing and aahing in the car with the kids. But I do not like putting them up or taking them down. That, like, it might be like one of the tortures in like the third level of hell is it, putting up Christmas lights. Like, Every year, you know, I kind of judge the guy that just left them up all year long until like three weeks before Christmas, and I'm like, dang it, he knew what he was doing. Like, they're already done, right? Well, I don't know about you, but it's easy to, uh, in in, in the midst of this time, like, it feels like we need a little bit of a change, like some freshness, even maybe to our Christmas decor. And so I I found some uh, Christmas decorations that I thought might help you to get more into the season and reflect really what's going on. You know, families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. (laughs) And some, yeah, some of you know who the sweet ones are and some of you know, you're thinking, maybe you are the nutty ones, right? (laughs) Um, Or this one, uh, yeah, this is why I don't have cats. They, they uh, intrude on all of our decorations, so that one's uh, gotten in a little bit of trouble. Here's a great one. Good moms let you lick the beaters. That's true. Great moms turn them off first. <laughs> so, <laughs> be a great mom. So, some of you moms have had a little bit too much quarantine time with the kids, right? You're like, mm. uh, all right, this one, this one applies. Definitely. I survived the great toilet paper crisis of 2020. You know, sometimes you get decorations that kind of commemorate big things, big events. Well, yeah, we made it people. Um, all right, next one speaks for itself. Just just trying to help you out. Just trying to give you some, some deep, toddly wisdom, okay, today. All right, well, this weekend, we want to focus on moving from decorations to devotion, because it's easy to sometimes, you know, we love the decorations. We love putting, well, not putting them up. We love enjoying them. Uh, we love singing the songs. Uh, my wife, Lisa, she loves, you know, been at Hobby Lobby more than ever before in our lives, you know, 
and, and but you know just the ambiance of the home and the warmth, the hospitality that the decorations can create. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But my concern is that sometimes in our efforts to decorate, we could miss the devotion that this season really ought to be about. And when I think about devotion, I think about Mary. At the beginning of the series, we looked at moving from stress to stillness, and we look at the stress that obviously Mary and Joseph must have been facing on that very first Christmas. Here Mary was a, a young teenage fiancé <laughs> and just being overwhelmed. And yet what we find in the book of Luke chapter 1, right after the angel, God sends an angel to make this announcement to Mary that she's going to be with child, a miraculous birth, overwhelming, I'm sure, and yet, in Luke 1, we find her response that says so much about her devotion. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I love that. I am the Lord's servant. She says, may everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I think this points to the first real mark of what true devotion is. That devotion begins with a humble heart before God. Mary gets this overwhelming news, and yet, in all of that, her response is, I am the Lord's servant. Now, sometimes I think in life, we treat the Lord more like he is our servant than us being his servants, Right? I mean, you think about it, uh, when, when we, you know, shoot up a Hail Mary prayer, God, I just really need you to, or God, if you could just do this for me, and then when God doesn't act in the way that we wanted him to, because we, we kind of sometimes treat God like he's this cosmic vending machine just there to give us what we need, or like he's a waiter um, that's there to serve us, and so then when he doesn't serve us what we want or what was in our plan or in our mind, we get despondent, we grow cold-hearted towards God, we give him the cold shoulder. What that's really saying is that we're treating the Lord more like he is our servant. And yet Mary, see, this is the mark of true devotion, says, no, Lord, I'm your servant. Humbly serving Jesus. Just a um, couple weeks ago, we lost a, a really incredible servant of Jesus. His name is John Serbis. John serves at our Port Clinton campus of the chapel. He was in, very involved in our sound and tech booth and did the lighting. And in fact, John's fingerprints of lighting didn't just reach to the Port Clinton campus. In fact, he would come in midweek and program lighting because he cared so much. And, and he did such a fantastic job that he, they would literally, they'd take pictures of what John created in Port Clinton and then send it to Sandusky and to Norwalk so that we could program the lights to look similar just to, to create that beauty, that ambiance and a worshipful attitude. And that was John's heartbeat. And John got pneumonia and COVID and he lost his life. And just last week we were at a funeral for John. 
I was talking with somebody afterwards, and they said, you know, over at the Sandusky campus, there's a sign in the green room. The green room is kind of like the, the get ready room backstage before the worship team comes out to lead us in worship. And in Sandusky, there's a little sign on the door. It's been there for years. Just before the worship team pastors come out on the stage, there's a little sign there, and it says, it's not about us. And this person said, when I read that sign, I thought about John. He never made it about himself. John's whole job was to program the lights so that he could put the spotlight on other people, not on himself. Nobody knows who John's service is because he's a humble, quiet, behind-the-scenes kind of servant. That was the legacy that he left. That's, that's who Mary was. And even though she was kind of pushed into the spotlight, her response to these overwhelming circumstances was, Lord, I am your servant. Let everything that you've said come true in my life. That's humility. That's devotion. And it leads us to a, a next step question that I want us to consider this morning. If devotion really is begins with a, a humble heart, we ought to ask the question, am I making the Lord my servant? Or am I humbly submitted to the Lord as his servant? See, this Christmas time, if we want to reclaim Christmas, it's going to mean saying, Jesus, I'm here for you. It's not the other way around. Somehow expecting you got to be here. For me. And yet the amazing thing about our God is that he is here for us. That God has served us in the greatest of ways. And what that ought to create in us is a deep humility and devotion. To move away from just the glitz and the glamour of the outward of our life to the interior devotion of the heart like Mary had. And what happens is when, when we have that kind of internal devotion is eventually people start to notice that. People, people notice humility because it's, it's, it's so uncommon in our day and age. And that's what happens in the next part of Mary's story. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the, to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. This was, her, uh, this was her relative. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry, and she exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. She said, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Essentially, Elizabeth was saying, why should I be so honored that the mother of my Lord, like she recognized that the baby that Mary was carrying was to be the Lord of life. She says, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And then Elizabeth says these words to Mary, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. The same goes true in your life and my life. We are, will be blessed when we believe 
God at his word. That's the second mark of devotion that I see in Mary's life, that devotion means taking God at his word. Think about it. When that angel first came and gave this announcement to Mary, unbelievable stress, totally overwhelmed. I mean, the angel was telling her things that had never, ever happened before. There had never been a birth like this, and yet Mary believed. She took God at his word because that's what devotion does. It trusts God. It takes him at his word. It makes me think of a, a couple in my life. This is a picture of John and Donna Tovey. Uh, John and Donna worked at a camp and conference center that my wife Lisa and I got to work at for a couple summers while uh, I was going to seminary. And then we eventually would uh, vacation there as a family. And, and John kind of served like the, the camp pastor. And I can remember uh, meeting up in the mornings and sitting under his leadership in some small group Bible studies and talking about marriage and relationships. And it was so formative in the early years of Lisa and my marriage. I respect John. He's a servant. He's been a pastor for many, many years. He just, just retired in October only to get hit just a, a, a few weeks ago with the COVID virus. And he's been struggling, as many of you have, and maybe people that you love. And it's different for everyone. But John has been in a battle, a battle for his life. He's been in the hospital. I remember reading some of his Facebook posts and comments talking about how he would, he would try to read God's word, but it would just lead to fatigue. And so then he would try listening to God's word because he knew that he just needed God's truth to hold on to. And so he'd listen to God's word, but he would just fall asleep uh, because he was so tired. And then over the, the course of these weeks, he's just been holding on, holding on to the prayers of others that have been trusting God on his behalf. Finally, he got released from the hospital and got to go home for six days only to have to return again. And on the day that he returned for the second time battling this stuff, this was his Facebook post. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And John and Donna's life continues to impact my life because they live lives of deep, devotion. They are humble servants like Jesus. And secondly, they take God at his word. They're holding on to hope because God is trustworthy. Well, that leads us to another next step question for our lives today. And that is if devotion means taking God at his word, what is it that I need to trust him with? What is God's word challenging you towards? What do you need to believe God for in your life right now? Because that's what devotion really looks like. It goes beyond the decorations. You know, we can, we can kind of paint a picture to others on the exterior of our life. We can show up at church. We can, we can you know, sing the praise songs. We can even volunteer or serve in the community. And those can be beautiful decorations dangling from our lives. But what really makes devotion real is that inward heart of humility 
and willingness to trust God at his word. And that leads to the third mark of devotion that I see in Mary's life, and that is that devotion results in praise. What began in Mary's heart of humility and that others began to notice in her trust and taking God at his word would eventually erupt in a song of praise that we find in Luke chapter 1. We call it Mary's Magnificat. We don't know if it was a song that she penned and would later sing or if this was a, a spontaneous moment of worship where she just could not help herself but to sing the praises of God in response to all that he was up to. And this is what it says in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And that's how we want to finish our services today. We want to finish with Mary praising God for who he is and all that he has done. She goes on to say, uh, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. You see the humility again? The devotion begins with a humble heart. She's, she's praising God and singing to him, saying, he took notice of me. When I was just a lowly nothing, and now, she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. That's what praise is. Praise is, is magnifying God both for his character. The mighty one is holy. And for what God has done, he has done great things for me. And the rest of her song just enunciates that over and over again. She, she sings, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and he has remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Mary was thinking back to an ancient promise that God had made to Abraham, where God said to Abraham, through you and your children and their children and their children will come one that will be the redeemer and savior of the world. God said to Abraham, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in this moment, in this moment, Mary is thinking, I am carrying that Redeemer, that hope, the fulfillment of God's promise. Oh, my soul praises the Lord. So what is it that we need to praise God for now? And as we prepare to worship together, I just want us to want to lead us in thinking about some different reasons why we today, right here, right now, can praise the Lord along with Mary. God, I praise you because you're in control 
of all things. All things. God, we praise you because when we feel lonely, we're never truly alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God, we praise you because you are trustworthy. We can take you at your word, God. And God, we praise you because when our burdens are heavy, you promise, God, to carry them for us. And God, today we praise you because you are merciful. You don't treat us as we deserve. And God, we praise you today because you promised to fulfill and to provide for all of our needs. We can take you at your word. God, you are faithful. God, we praise you today because you're powerful. You're an overcoming kind of God. And God, we praise you because you don't hold our past against us, but you have a purposeful future in store for us. God, we praise you. Along with Mary, from a devoted, humble heart, along with Mary, who was devoted by taking God at his word to the point that she could not contain herself any longer, but she had to just burst into song. And so I want to invite us to stand and let's worship Jesus today for who he is and for all that he has done. Let's echo Mary's song and join the ancients from of old. 